0: 2010 Candidate Series, talking to Mike Crane. Mike is a candidate in the July 20th Republican primary in the 13th Congressional District. Mike, thank you for taking some time out of your day to join me.
1: Well, thanks, Jason. I'm glad to be here with you this evening.
0: Uh, So tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Well, I'm a career business owner. I'm conservative at heart, always have been. Uh, I'm in a general contractor right now and have been since I was uh, 17 years old. I started uh, my career I thought would be uh, skateboarding, <laughs> and I uh, found out I could build ramps better than I could ride them. So I continued on from there, went to Georgia Tech, and uh, got my degree in industrial management, and just, I've been building ever since, uh, in and around Atlanta and all over the country. I've held contractor's licenses in 17 states. And I currently hold them in two here in Georgia and also in Florida, um, and I'm a uh, licensed general contractor, which enables me to build anything here in the state, so that kind of speaks to what I do on a daily basis and continue to do even here through the campaign. Uh, we find work wherever we can get it in a very difficult economy, but we're thankful to have the work we can get, and uh, so we keep chugging along. Um, I'm married 22 years to my lovely wife Tracy. I've got two wonderful children, both of whom we are uh, homeschooling. So that kind of gives you a little background about me.
0: So you're a you're a
1: tech grad? Yes, sir.
0: Go (laughs) dogs. Sorry, I had had to throw that dig. I had to throw that dig in there. I'm sorry. (laughs) That's all right.
1: I I like Georgia, you know, as a as a as a prep school. It's okay. (laughs)
0: Uh, well, you're running in an overwhelmingly Democratic district, and you're you're locked in a very crowded primary. What shot do you think you have, if nominated, at beating David Scott in November?
1: Well, if you listen to the uh, pundits, which is uh, seems to be uh, one everywhere, uh, they would say we don't have any chance. The NRCC told me I had a 2% chance. Um, but I think we have a very good chance. I think uh, many of the political... Uh, Watchmen out there uh, don't recognize what's going on in the voter base, and I don't think that the the district is nearly as heavy Democratic or Democrat as uh, as many believe it to be. I just think that the the district has never had a true conservative run that could inspire the voters to get out and make a difference. The uh, conservative votes, the numbers are there. To, to pull it off and win this election and we, we anticipate that we can bring those voters out, we can energize them, we can inspire them uh, that victory is possible and, and likely this go around. So We're pretty excited about what's going on and look forward to uh, victory in November.
0: Well the economy is the number one issue going into November. Uh, what solutions would you promote to create jobs in your district?
1: <clears throat> well uh, you know it's a funny thing, people always talk about Congressmen and their districts, and I think there's like this this connection between pork and earmark, and you're just bringing home the bacon. I personally disagree with that philosophy. I do not think congressmen should be sent to Washington to see how much pork they can bring home. I think congressmen should be sent to Washington to uphold and defend the Constitution like they're sworn to do. And if they did that, and if they had been doing that for the last hundred years, um, we wouldn't be in the mess we're in. Uh, as far as getting the economy rolling, I think the single biggest thing that we could do in Congress is to get rid of the income tax and replace it with a flat rate consumption tax uh, similar to say the the fair tax that you may know something about. I think that alone would stimulate the economy in, in ways that are even difficult to imagine. Uh, because it gets rid of all payroll taxes it gets rid of corporate taxes Um, and it it just transforms the way America does business and the energy the excitement uh, that that would create worldwide Um, the message that it sends uh, along with getting our fiscal house in order if we could just lead by example in Washington I think it would instill such confidence here in in America and worldwide that the economy would begin to roll again because the economy, all it is is confidence and there's, there's no confidence out there now as the debts just keep piling up um, that's not the way you build confidence is by, by spending us into oblivion
0: well the national debt recently topped $13 trillion and unfunded liabilities are over $50 trillion and that's a, sort of a conservative estimate yet Washington yeah. keeps <laughs> spending what should be cut and what should stay in well, those are
1: the realities of what would be cut. When you look at, say, this current fiscal year, which we don't have a budget yet for, and I think Congress has promised not to pass a budget right. um, because it'd be an election cycle and they don't want to look bad doing it. Um, with the revenues that the federal government took in were sufficient to do one thing, and that was to pay out mandatory spending. Uh, just everything that was mandated social security medicare medicaid and interest everything else was borrowed everything defense spending discretionary spending um all the stimulus and all that was all borrowed money and um it's borrowed not here in the short term what's dangerous about it jason is it's borrowed against uh, really it's borrowed against the unborn of our nation I'm not sure our children will see the ability to pay for that unless we make some dramatic changes. Um, So when you start talking about cuts, um, we've got to get our revenue situation totally in line um, and start expanding the economy. We've got to increase our tax base through an expanded economy, um, which will, as you've seen in economic growth periods, tax revenues always go up even in the midst of, say, tax cuts. Um, so the solution is to get the economy rolling again. Everybody benefits, including the government and its uh, coffers. But the, the biggest problems that we face are these: this um, mandated spending, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. Um, those those institutions, let's call them, um, need to be reworked so that they're fiscally viable and do not consume the entire
0: you know federal revenue. Well, on your website you say Congress should cite the constitutional authority for legislation uh, please explain this proposal
1: okay for one example we could look at the health care bill uh, the health care bill if they would have cited constitutional authority it would have forced the the those writing the legislation and those that sponsor it to say based on this segment section of the Constitution like article article 1 section 8 you know down here under uh, whatever this is our reason that we think we have the constitutional authority to create a bill that forces Americans to do things they might otherwise not do. Um, in that case, I don't think they could find any constitutional authority for the bill they passed. Uh, you could go back 100 years and see that they didn't have it either for um, Social Security and, um, and they used the courts to, to prop up their ideas um, over time these things were constitutionally valid, but I believe they're not. Um, so I think each piece of legislation, as it comes before, before the House and then into the Senate, should start out at the top of the, top of the uh, legislation and says, under this part of the Constitution, we find the authority uh, to do this. And they reference it so it's clear for everyone, and they see where they're coming from.
0: On Monday, uh, the Supreme Court issued a ruling incorporating the Second Amendment to the states. It was the McDonald versus Chicago decision. Um, yes. Were you happy with this decision?
1: Well, the, um, yeah, in general, I think the Second Amendment applies throughout, uh, throughout the land. It, it, I think most people interpret it in the Constitution that it's just the right to self-defense is one of those inalienable rights. So the, the court was basically saying the states cannot separate you from your inalienable rights. Um, and so yes, I think it's a, uh, a well thought out decision and, uh, and I believe that all people have the right to defend themselves um, from against, uh, from against a, an oppressive government or from an intruder in their home.
0: With the recent spill in the Gulf of Mexico, support for offshore drilling is dropping. Do you support expanded drilling for oil in the United States, both in the continental U.S. and offshore?
1: Yeah, Jason, I think we need to continue to uh, tap all our our natural resources um, rather than tapping our enemies and funding them uh, for the things we need in this country. We are an oil-dependent nation right now, and we will continue to be so until technology permits us to do otherwise. So I think we need to continue to expand our, our... exploration of our natural resources, but I think we need to do it carefully. If you look at like what happened with the BP rig, uh, well actually it wasn't their rig, but the one they were renting, um, and they just had that one blind shear ram at the base, you know, there's other units out in the Gulf that have double blind shear rams, and maybe that second fail safe would have been enough to prevent what happened. I think some better uh, regulation at that level, some more just you know practical uh, regulation really could have made a difference um, in, in what's happened and it's easy to look back and point fingers and, and figure all that out. but to answer to your question, I think we need to continue to preserve all our natural resources here
0: in America. The Obama administration is using the spill in the Gulf to push cap and trade. Yeah uh, what are what are your thoughts on this policy and what do you think it's going to do to the constituents of your district?
1: Well, um, there's there's kind of two parts to that. One thing that's interesting is, is specifically, you can see that uh, President Obama really uses this, and I think there's some video out there on one of his websites, Um, I think it's uh, OSA, Organizing for America. He has a message he sent out to him where he he says, we don't want to, and I'm not quoting, but what he implied was, we don't want to let this opportunity go to waste. We don't want to miss this moment of time. And so he's trying to mobilize folks, uh, you know, using the president's office to push something forward that's very anti-American. Cap and trade is a tax on energy, and that's the last thing we need to tax. I mean, it's just one more tax in in the encyclopedia of taxes we have here in America. And I think it's a very dangerous prospect for our country. And just financially, it's going to hurt everyone in our district. Uh, Right in their pocketbooks and they're not really going to see it. It's just another hidden tax that they're just not going to notice as they they wither away our buying power in the uh, middle and lower
0: classes. What are your thoughts on Obamacare? Would you vote to repeal it? And what are some solutions from a free market perspective that you would support to make health care more affordable?
1: Well, you said it right, Jason. The free market perspective is what's going to really unleash our healthcare care industry uh, what's interesting there's such a great disconnect between uh, the consumer and the provider in the healthcare care industry um, i feel like if, if and when i go to the doctor i'm not the i'm not the consumer my health insurance company is the consumer because they dictate rates they dictate who when and where and um, i'm just i'm just like the guinea pig in the whole thing so to get the free market working uh, is really going to take some uh, deregulation. I think the government has to get out of the health care business, not get more into it. Um, I would certainly vote to repeal that legislation, but I also recognize that there's some serious issues with our health care system. But I think the bulk of the problems come from the fact that government is too involved. And uh, right now, even, even without Obamacare, um, nearly 90 million patients, if, I, if my number is correct, are already on government supplied health care through Medicare and Medicaid. Um, that's a third of our population is already with a single payer system. And um, I, I think it's just, and it's bankrupt. So there you go. I mean, is this, this is the future with Obamacare.
0: What sets you apart from the rest of the field in your primary?
1: Well, I think it's a combination of factors, um, work and life experiences, uh, a fresh perspective that maybe uh, someone who's challenged David Scott before may not not have. I think I bring to it a a sense of confidence and character and courage that uh, maybe the other candidates don't. You know, politics is a very odd business, I've come to find out, not being a politician at all. but it's just the, those intangibles that go into making candidates that are viable and can come out victorious in a campaign. And what's desperately needed here in the 13th um, is somebody that can beat David Scott, not just another challenger to, uh, to irritate him for six months, but this time uh, he needs to be replaced. It's crucial for not only the district but for our country that uh, the enemies of freedom... Uh, do not get to return to Washington. And so I think I bring to the table that combination of intangibles, uh, character, confidence, and uh, courage that is what it's gonna take to beat him
0: in November. Do you have any final thoughts for listeners?
1: Well, if they wanna find out more about me, uh, they can go to craneforcongress.com. We appreciate uh, everybody taking time to look, look at us and consider us. Uh, one thing I want at the polls in July, is informed voters. We need folks that are making decisions based on on good, solid information. So I appreciate anyone who takes the time to find out more about our campaign and how we're going to retake the Congress for the American people in November.
0: All right, Mike. Well, thank you very much for your time. Again, the primary is on July 20th. This is the Republican primary. It's so what Mike's running in. He's got, what, six, six or five or six other candidates running in the primary, right?
1: Five, uh, five other candidates, a total of six. So there's no lack of choices for the voters here in the 13th district.
0: All right. Well, if you're listening, if you live in the 13th, uh, the 13th district, just be informed. Don't go and make an uh, uninformed vote. Mike is absolutely right in that, in that respect. So uh, thank you very much for listening. Mike, thank you very much for your time. I wish you the best of luck on the campaign trail.
1: Jason, thanks for your time. Have a great evening.